So we're up here in Alaska teaching Alaska Precision Rifle classes, staying at the world-famous Sheep Creek Lodge, which is haunted by our resident ghost, Norbert. The other night I'm in watching Game of Thrones, final, you know, the finale, and my lights start acting a little funky and things are going on. So I had like a minor Norbert experience, but the other day we had a student here, Glenn. Hey, Glenn. Glenn was a good shot, teak guy. And there's showers and bathrooms behind our rooms here at the Sheep Creek, which so butt up against where we always have the Norbert experience. Glenn takes his little duffel bag and stuffs it in the sink under the faucet, inside the sink. Then he goes in the shower. When he gets out of the shower, his bag is on the floor upside down. Incredible, Frank. Norbert. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, and I'm here with Mark Taylor from Alaska Precision Rifle. Uh, we're right in the middle and finishing up our last set of classes. We did two classes, ended one today, so we got a lot to talk about. And we're starting our third class for this trip. We got three more months of classes to do up here. Uh, we're, well, we're doing over 150 students this year. It's an incredible year. It's grown from... I think 34 we did the first year, but we weren't really pushing very hard. And uh, this year, we'll, we'll somewhere between 150 and 160 students. How about the lower 48 guys coming up? I know. We're getting two or three of them per class now. we got two two tonight for tomorrow. Uh, we had four in the last class. It's starting to catch on with you guys uh, through Sniper's Hide, people seeing it, and realizing that you want to be part of a destination course. You know, Lodge Life, boom. Lodge Life is, yeah. is great food, great uh, hospitality and and liquor and whatnot you we've know. had some fun man yeah, we're we, not getting crazy one night i got crazy hey i rang the bell shots. i rang the bell who frank's like mark taylor never rang the bell he's too cheap so i rang the bell yeah yeah so it, it was a good time one night though nick got me a little little nuts and in the next morning i was i was feeling but i'm fake drinking now i'm, I'm drinking hard seltzer yeah i'm having robbie pour me Pour me seltzer water with a touch it with Coke so it looks like a whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can get through. But um, let's talk about, like, we'll go into the first class. Uh, that w that went really well. We, um, 15, 16 students is our average that we're doing up here. And um, uh, the weather's been fantastic. Uh, what's crazy, here it is. It's, it's almost 70 degrees. Everybody's in a T-shirt. And it was snowing in Denver uh, yesterday. Uh, so, you know, we really lucked out with the weather. The first class, we had a, I'm going to tell you guys right now, friggin' spend the money on your scopes. We had to mess with, move around and do all this stuff with five scopes. Um, it's, it's just becoming a case of, you know, it, you, you got to invest the, the, the energy and the money into the, into the optic, man. The, uh, we had, uh, like the, the, the Tika guys, this class. We had a ton of Tikas, and they were topped with Collis. Yep. Okay, so you had an yep. 18. Collis, Night Force, all $2,000 plus scopes, sometimes three, and they had absolutely no issues. Right, with an $1,800 rifle. Tika's a little bit of a slow barrel. You're not going to get top-notch performance, AI performance out of the Tika, but you're going to get very consistent result uh, out to $1,000. Best group. Absolutely, best group of uh, actually we've we've taught twenty one courses here now in the last five years at Sheep Creek Lodge and Upper Susitna Shooters, and the best day one group was shot yesterday by Jim Witters. It had to be a point two five 
inch group inside of a black uh, three eighths inch bone stock Tika with factory Hornaday ammo. And he was shooting an SHV. Yeah, and with a, with a Night Force SHV on it, and um, he put him. We have a three eighths inch black aiming point, and he put them all inside that aiming point with no white touching, all black around it. It was incredible. It was an incredible group. Then we had a guy Tom from Westminster, Colorado who brought up an AI who's actually taking my Colorado class too. And today he shot one of those groups as well. It's all coming down um, to these fundamentals. It's all coming down to the groundwork we're doing. And it's paying dividends. Regardless of the equipment that the student brings, we're getting a better result by the end of the first and second day. Well, definitely by the end of the course. But I remember when I used to rant and rave and scream and run up and down the line, because second day groups were horrible. And, you know, I started challenging the student. You know, you're at a precision rifle course, you're a day and a half in, and you're still shooting a minute and a half. I think what they do, Frank, is once we take them out to distance and they come back, they're sort of a little bit lazy now. Steel They've been makes you steel. sloppy. Yep. Steel makes you sloppy. They've been shooting steel and just getting the hit, and we move on, and they come back to that first group of, of day two at 100 yards, and they're sloppy. We ride them a little bit. Give them another opportunity, and they and they and the up. groups just yep. like shrink up immediately. Yep. Uh, you know, you can't let things like those big pieces of steel and just getting that touch and ding, because it'll make you a sloppy shooter. We've been and you, and if you listen to the podcast, we've been transitioning little more elements of paper, especially at three hundred yards. We're shooting paper here at three hundred yards. The paper will rat you out. Okay, you're not gonna get away with being a sloppy shooter when we're doing that paper at distance. Because it, it's it's just gonna tell on you, man. There's no hiding from it, uh, and it, I think it pays dividends in the long run for us. Oh, uh, how about you? Want you should talk about your your uh, back in the data in that happened today? Because we always mention up here in Alaska after 700 yards, the range isn't graded, and we have a huge hole. <clears throat> so seven, eight, and nine hundred yards, the targets are actually 13 feet in the air. Yeah, they're hanging in the air. You don't have a back. Splash or a backdrop, and uh, coming into the seven, you can usually get on that pretty, pretty well, uh, especially with good, good uh, vapor trail. Eight and nine, though, it's always been a problem for us, Frank. But but today, what we did was we went from eight. We got good data at eight. Everybody solid on the line. We went to a thousand, and Frank ran ran. We started left to right. Frank ran them at a thousand, and then once he got sort of out of my way, like three shooters over, I picked up. And took him to the nine, and we backed into the nine. And here's how I did it, and it just boom, it just hit me. I was thinking, you know, there's going to be better, bigger drop from from nine to a thousand than there is from eight to nine. Well, how big is that drop? And I thought, you know, it's probably about 55% on the other side, 45% on the on the near side between eight and nine. So I thought, I took the distance or the difference between their thousand yard data. Subtracted the 800 and found that like there are three mils off. If there's three mils there, I said 3.0 divided or times 0.45. That gave me a number like 0.5 or 1.5 or 1.7. And then I added the 1.7 to their 800 yard dope and it took me to the center of the target at 900. Yeah, I mean, the group was impressive on there. It's first yep. time the steel at 900 was that tight with the impacts yep. in the group. So, um, you know, we're doing good things. I I want to thank Jim Bacuzzi, man. Um, 
he uh, he took a lot of pictures. There's over 500 pictures we have, and he's posting a lot of them on Sniper's Hide. I encourage you to go look in the Alaska Precision Rifle Training in the training section on the hide and just look at the attention to detail being given to these students. And um, it's, it's really, really working out to everybody's benefit. They're coming away with, you know, it's, it's taking less rounds to get on target for them. Their dope has been better and verified. And then we can start working other drills. We can start doing other things with them, getting their software lined up. Uh, the 500 drop on software has been working. We, we basically, well, oh, wait, let's talk about, because this happened the first day and the second day, our 300 drop anomalies. Because we saw it at Colorado as well with that Valkyrie that time. And then we've had about an average of three students per the two classes where we're doing a gravity drop from their 100-yard zero. We're shooting a target at 300. And we're not putting any dope on the rifle. And we're trying to measure the drop and then look at it as it lines up to our computer. Well, there's rifles that aren't dropping. Okay? And it's like, well, why is this not happening? This is, this is not how it's supposed to work. Something's wrong. So then what we did is... At the end of that day, we're doing the group on paper and we're getting the drop and we're looking at it just to kind of get an idea of what's happening. But then we're going to 500 yards and we're hitting them at 500 yards and we're using that data to line up their software for their tri-dope. And that's been, I think, working out really well and something I know Mike and I are going to be doing in Colorado just at 600 yards because... Most of the software wants you to true with the muzzle velocity in the beginning anyway. And five, six hundred yards is the perfect range to use your muzzle velocity using software. And with that, we're able to go over to their computer, line up the five. We got a reference point at the three now. And with those two numbers, we're, we're only got to <laughs> tweak the BC a little bit after the fact, after 800 to make sure eight, nine, and a thousand are good. And and it's been working out really well for everybody without a lot of drama. Now, here's the funny part. Oh please. Oh please. Oh. The, the students up here are not so software dependent. Half of them. So, don't so have you it. gotta understand that guys. We we realize we're talking to America, lower forty eight down there, and you guys are all software dependent, know how to use it. But these guys are just being introduced to it. And in a two-day course, we can't linger in the software world too long or else we get bogged down with a shooter. We don't produce a shooter. So what we've been doing is backing away from establishing muzzle velocity and allowing uh, drop to tell us what muzzle velocity is. Yeah, because we, we, we don't want us to be sitting here in a short course and chronographing everybody. We used to do that, and, it, and it's a wasted effort. We got bogged down. No, we yep. just got too bogged down. And then wind up sprinting at the end to, to make the end of the mm-hmm. day. And, and to this point, I'm going down the line, and at least half the students have no form of software, and they're just going off hard copy. So it's like, okay, are you doing software? No, I'm not. Are you doing software? No, I'm not. And damn, what about all the friggin' MOAs in these classes? We, we had the course, course number one was, was the Mall of America course. Nobody was from Mall of America, but it was all MOA, with the exception of maybe three students. Yeah, out of sixteen. That was a that was a wake up call because I haven't seen that much MOA in quite a while. Usually it's one or two guys per class, and we only had three or four 
that were mill this class. We had an M1A. Yeah, we had an M1A, 14 there, and he, you know, he was doing that stuff. We had all kinds of stuff. We had a lever action 30-30. Yeah, no, no, 30 out 6. 30 out 6, yeah, 30, 30 out 6, my bad. Lever action 30 out 6 that lasted to about uh, three or 400 yard line, and he retired it, went over to Frank's uh, uh, APO. APO. I'm using the Sniper's Height Edition. <laughs> In the first course, I gave the lever action guy my APO. He, he, he was beyond grateful and immediately said after that was over, it would have been the biggest mistake for me to have run this entire course with my lever action 30-odd six. Now, when we were done and we do our open shoot, him and I went back and doped some of the stuff with it. Well, we have a wolf target at 600 yards here, and the dude was like instant first-round kill shot, instant first-round kill shot at 600 yards. And he was able to work on his fundamentals and get stuff done without these, you know, uh, hunting style rifles and the different things getting in the way of his learning. Now, if you're listening to this, sometimes you guys uh, get the sense that we only get hunting style rifles up here. That's not true at all. But what happens is when I book these people into the course, I don't limit them. When they, when they say I want to bring a, a lever action 30-06, I say... That's not a good choice of firearm, but we're here for you and we can teach you to shoot that firearm better. Well, the student picks up on that and he doesn't, first of all, he's never been exposed to a, a shooting line with all these, you know, Gucci, uh, high rifles. Gucci rifles on them. Yeah. So he doesn't really know what he's getting into. But, but what this does for me, I look at it in a couple ways. We're going to make him better with this rifle. We're going to have an opportunity to introduce him to something like Frank's APO. So he's going to get a feel for a precision rifle. He's going to come see us again next year. All right, man. There's almost no doubt about now it. Now it's it's time to give them a fucking wake-up call. Talk savage. Uh, do it. Dude, uh, dude another, I've done it. I, I don't time. even want to say dude, it. Was dude. that guy scalped? Was yeah, he, he got scalped. scalped. Yo, he got I got scalped. scalped by his savage is what happened. He couldn't hit. He could. He, Frank, come on. A plastic dude. bipod. Plastic and, a, and, and metal he had a combined savage, by... Dude, they basically uh, take a savage-barreled action... And put it in this like fake AR-15 type blah 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 stock. And it was then, a stealth. It was yeah, a stealth. it was a stealth. And then he has the Magpul bipod on it, and it was a rattle trap. And the guy couldn't shoot or do anything. Mark gets on the gun. It, it was just squirrely. I I couldn't. We had we had already shot up 100 yard target, so we were having trouble finding impact at 100. So I went out to 300, added 1.0. And then we're going to back into a 100-yard uh, zero, which we did successfully, but it was the squirreliest rifle I've ever had my hands on. And he brought a, he brought a uh, Susie Homemaker uh, sewn bag full of rice or something, right, yeah. something that was not dense in any way and was not going to be able to, to, uh, to uh, withstand the, the rear of the rifle. So I replaced it with a tab gear bag. And so we got him off to a good start. Except we just ultimately had to abandon the Savage. And he shot the APL. And he shot the APL. And, yeah. he, and he really enjoyed himself, had a great time in the And course. he improved quite a bit. Because, I mean, he had some fundamental issues that we had to correct. And the Savage was just compounding the problem. And we, we had one of the students last night uh, who was shooting a 300 wind mag. And, and he, he, he remarked when we were drinking and ringing the bell and doing crazy shit last <clears> night. He's like, here's Frank and Mark hammering on me. With like you know an inch and a quarter group with my 300 Win Mag hunting rifle, and this guy's shooting like a four inch group at a hundred, 
And they're like, dude, just like they, they weren't really, but we pulled that gun from them. Yeah. You know, because it just, it was literally like three, four inches. This thing was shooting and we got this down, this guy down to about five eighths of an inch, three quarters of an inch group shooter with my APO. And he shot his ammunition out of your gun. Yes. He shot his ammo out of my gun. Yeah. And, and so it, it, it's, it's serving the purpose. I, I didn't say, you know, the APO thing is not a PRS gun. Could you shoot it in a PRS? Absolutely. 6.5 Creed. I got a hard, um, hard gear rail on it. it you know, uh, really right stuff. It's got all the adjustability. It, it, it's, it's a great rifle, but it's meant to teach a student, have that adjustability to be a training rifle because it's a Remington 700 barreled action. You know, I got it suppressed up here. It's got all the APO stuff. It's my rifle. I brought it up, but I'm just handing it to the student. It's like, as long as you're not using my ammo, you know, you got your ammo, 6.5 Creed or go get some. Here's the rifle. Have at it and have a better experience because, man, it's just so hard with, with, with some of this stuff that people are putting out there under the guise of a precision rifle. And, you know, at the end of the day, I said to the guy, I say, take heart. You got a savage barreled action. Take that out of that stock and put it in something better. Worthy. Something well not worthy, but something that's going to make it more of a precise rifle. Right. To support the whole thing. And and I said to him, I said, the APO, the APO rifle you just shot, they make that chassis for a savage. And if you put it in there, you know, you'll have a much better experience with it. And I just I, I kind of want to go into uh, one other little like downside of things because I mentioned this a bunch. I have videos on it, and people always want to argue with me. Usually, or, it's when before you get too far away from this, it's not one bad choice. It's it's the compound bad choices, right? Because he also had aluminum rings, right? And he also had a, a scope from a vending machine. So there's not just one bad choice. There's a, a series of bad choices that leads to a horrible experience. Well, now we've got a couple of rifles we can play with. I also have an RPR that's really Gucci. Gucci'd out as an RPR RP, can dude, be. Dude, RPRs and, and, fantastic yeah, absolutely. in this class. RPRs we've never had a problem with, and we're never going to have a problem with a Tika. I don't, I don't nope. guess. We never have a problem with an APO. We're not asking you to bring an AI to the course. If you do, the rifle's going to make you... It's going to show... You're Your not going to be exposed. Gonna be faster, yeah, yeah. Right. It's going to be. You're not going to be as exposed as you are when you come with a a, a lesser standard rifle. But the the main thing we see is the scopes. You really, really got to invest the money in the scopes. You know, we we have that kind of recommendation and things we look at in that you know thousand dollar range. But if, when you start getting into that three, four, five hundred dollar range, man. They just don't work as advertised. In another Mark IV failure. Today. Yep, yep. Yep. Another Mark IV failure. Uh, Leopold's the, the uh, was it the LRP? We LRP. had one of those go down. Yep. Uh, the first class. We had an LRP from Leopold go down in the first class. I changed. I literally had to move, change, and, and swap out five scopes in the first class. We didn't have to change or swap out any in this class. Um, but the I think the cheapest one was an LRP. Um, that we did see, and and it seemed to work well. And then what was up with that, like, not return to zero we saw? There was a lot of, like, weird anomaly with these scopes and the lesser dollar scopes not returning to we zero. We stayed away um, for a long time. We, we we got away from zero after, after, and then we went straight to three, and then we went to five, 
then bounced into four, six, seven, eight, nine, a thousand. Then we came back. I think we stayed away a long time, but it wouldn't really matter. It's not going to return to zero anyway, regardless of how long you stay away. So, so uh, ultimately, if your scope is lying to you, you're going to fail. Yeah, yeah. And then we we would see, and guys would ask you too, and it's hard to kind of explain when you have that one or two ranges that are the anomalous number. You know, because we're hitting everybody on waterline. And guys will go, their data will go in a logical order. But then one range is off. And our ranges are good. We laser them. With a, we got a Vectronics. We laser them with that. So we know we're pretty good with our target stuff that way. But then there's just one anomaly. And it's like slippage and, you know, just dead spaces in these things. And, and man, we just, it drives me nuts that you, you can't do that. And, and I don't know. I'm just, like I said... But uh, we, we're, we're, we're cruising along. We got a good crew. Everybody's showing up at the lodge already. They're having some dinner, some drinks, and some things are, you know, getting to meet everybody. Uh, you know, it, it's... Become- We've been trying to get in here to do a podcast because, you know, we get a lot of good feedback from the Alaska podcasts, uh, but it's been so busy. Yeah. We've just been really, yeah. really busy. We've been staying on the range till 6 p.m. You know, that puts us back here. Everybody's having dinner. We can't just, like walk away or not come up there so i mean guys are ringing the bell last night and mark's like hey we got to go do the podcast it's like 10 o'clock at night yeah you know we've been sitting at the bar since eight yeah it would have been a sloppy mess yeah yeah it would have been a big mess but it's 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 we we need to get into some of this stuff um we got like and i want to bring this up because this just happened too we got an le class coming up and we're hearing a lot and there's some stuff that went on on facebook and some things that i'm not going to step on anybody's toes with that but if you're an le guy you're being deserved, man, by what these people are doing to you. And you need to get your fundamentals tuned up. Because there's there's a little bit of drama going on uh, right now because you're getting some of the standard, hey, I got to go to this LE course, like a sniper craft or something. And then guys are coming to somebody like Kalen and they're showing up and they're not even using a rear bag. Because those guys are telling them you don't need a rear bag or you don't need this or don't worry about that or oh, this is good enough and we've been doing this since the 90s and it's fine. Dude, that's not doing you any favors. Somehow these fly-by-night organizations are... But they're not cap- in a way. Well, I get it, but they're capturing attention. Yeah. And they're not... Nobody has looked into their curriculum. Right. Whether that's it's a big valued, it. Whether it's valid or not. They're self-contained and they're friggin' ripping you off. Yeah. And it's it's nobody's looking at it. Nobody's comparing what they're doing to what everybody else in the modern world well, is doing. I think what they're doing is this: they're being intimidated by the LE law enforcement student or the law enforcement organization coming to them. What we do for our law enforcement students is make them better shooters. We don't try to get into their tactical minds. Nope. nope. We don't try to produce situational shooting we're not going to shoot balloons we're not going to do anything stupid like that we're just going to try to shrink their groups give them fundamentals teach them how to uh handle recoil and 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 focus their attention back to the fundamentals is what we're going to do and and they're not getting that basic foundation they have no foundation and you know running around in circles and making you huff and puff and do all this stuff before you have a foundation that's is, dog and pony. Right, that's dog and pony. That's just, you know, that's the instructor's case. That's pretending. Sit. Right. That's pretending because you don't know how to teach the foundation, you, uh, you uh, the fundamentals. 
you have to then try to get into their world and impress them yeah. with with what you think you know about their world. I think it's all bullshit. I I, I and and so there's been some discussion going on behind the scenes. There was public discussion today that I saw, and I actually got a phone call on it. It was good timing with the phone call, but man, you you gotta have that foundation. You gotta have that knowledge. You gotta have somebody look at these pictures of us like we're and we're. We've now kind of transitioned into a complete tag team system where we're not splitting the line as much. We're going down the line in the early part of the program, and Mark or I is at the shooter, the other one's on the glass, and we're working in tandem with one guy at a time. In the very beginning, it may seem a little bit slower, but you don't get away with anything, and then... When we sort of kind of go, okay, back up and split the line up, and then you're you're shooting them on one target, I'm shooting them on another target, it's a lot less drama. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to take somebody with, like, next to no experience in precision rifle, and these guys are hammering. First round hits yeah. is what we're asking for, and, and they're delivering. And it's because of the time we spent with them on the ground on day one. Well, and talk about that, because you we in our demo – when you're doing your recoil management demo with the 338, you impress upon them. Well, let's start. Let's round. start with the first demo, okay? Right. Once we go to the line, I get down. Frank, we then go through. Frank calls it the 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 three hours or four hours that we taught you in the in the presentation is now going to come down to 30 or 45 seconds of what Mark's going to do right. before he takes his first shot. Then we slow that down a little bit. We don't do it in 30, 45 seconds. But I stand, present. Uh, uh, rifle to target, or, or, or right. We're building they, the yeah, position. We're the doing rifle. all that, and yeah, and and it flows. Then they get it. The light bulb goes off. Oh, that six hours was about this. Yes. Not just uh, feed me information to impress me, you know, so that I get a. a yeah, a, I'm not a, throwing a, numbers yeah. at them. Like, well, oh, yeah, I'm a cool guy. PowerPoint. It's a good PowerPoint. Right. Basically, and oh wow, we got a PowerPoint presentation. Wow, I must have learned something. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. But now he realizes what it is because we get down and we shoot in front of him, and we get down and do proper technique, proper fundamentals. Then it clicks. That makes for a better student. In, in in these initial stages, and it definitely produces a better product for us in, in the form of a better student at the end of day two. Yeah, and so now we go to the recoil management demo. Mark uses his 338, and he explains to this guy in his methodical behavior, because it's mimicking the first day's demo, but then it's going and translating to this other thing. It's all about that first round. And Mark will tell him, he goes, I'm not a game guy. I'm not doing this. I'm doing that. I'm building my position. I'm building all this. I'm focusing on all my stuff. I want that one first round hit. And it's it's sort of that military mindset with different things. And it's like, yeah, you can race to something. You can potentially throw away that first round so it tells you what the answer is. You're, they're throwing away the first round to get a quick follow-up. Right. I don't understand that. Let's get the let's get the first round on target. We don't need a quick follow-up unless you're trying to build points for a game. Yeah, and that's okay. all it is. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a Marine sniper, Marine sniper instructor, Second Marine Division, and I didn't come up through the gaming aspect. I could give no rat's asses are given with with respect to, to gaming for me. I just want to teach people predictable, repeatable precision and accuracy. And we got it, man. We're Having like- nothing to do with moving out of position. 
or moving into or out of position on a time, on a clock. Uh, the, the game changer bag, which was a wonderful bag, but but uh, bag this, uh, uh, barrier that, having nothing to do with that. If you give me time and opportunity, I'm going to create the best shot and I'm going to get a first round hit. Right. And that's what I'm trying to teach them. Time and opportunity is giving you this first round. You need to make the best of and it. And the advanced stuff is, you know, I tell people all the time, they'll say, what's your advanced class? What's your advanced class? Well, your advanced class are the fundamentals executed either faster or from alternate or positions and, you know, that discomfort and stuff. But you have a foundation. You have that ability where, you know, it doesn't matter how compromised you are. You recognize I can index and trade off on, on a fundamental that is compromised because I'm huffing and puffing or I'm moving or the rifle's unsteady. Well, that means my trigger control has to be this. And they're not relying on a four-ounce trigger. You know what I mean? There, we're There's mar- no trigger to control if you're controlling a four ounce trigger. Right. You know, if you give me a two and a quarter pound trigger, which all my rifles are two and a quarter pound, I try to get them there so that at least I can be consistent in what I'm feeling. But I'm, I'm exercising trigger control in the control of a two and a half pound trigger. Right. Or two and a quarter. And it's not just tap, you know, no follow through, that forgotten fundamental. We're, we're harping on them. Stay married to that trigger. You know, don't come in and don't race to it. Take that extra time. Make sure you're lining up the shot because, you know, yeah, if you slow these things down, when you get to speed and you get all that stuff, you're still going to do it better. You know, maybe you're not on the follow through for four seconds when you're in this situation. Your, your follow through is two seconds, but it's still being followed through and you're not just tapping for a quarter of a second and gone. You know what I mean? And that's, to me, the difference in what we do up here, what I do in this class with Mark. And don't get me wrong. We do it with Mike, and we do it down there. It's repeated all over. There's a common denominator to these classes. And yet, we're seeing better results across the board. People are walking away happy. They're getting successful hits under all the conditions we throw at them. You know, we don't have the wind here, but we have the wind in Colorado. The guy in Westminster who's taking that class in, in, in Colorado next month, he's going to see a night and day difference in the shooting conditions. But he will come prepared. Yes, because he has a foundation yep. and he and understands. When he, when he got his final eval today, in the last 30 minutes we conduct final evals on everybody just the same way we did the initial eval, except without a scorecard. But basically what we're not having to ask for things in the final eval. They're delivering them to us because they've been hammered with them for two days. Right, right. And, and it's really now becoming, you know, this ultimate and fine tune. Did I mention the moose that came out? Yeah, the uh, big moose. Fucking weird. So we're shooting. Yeah, I'm on the 1,000-yard target with uh, the guy Joe. He's shooting a Tika, Collis, the whole thing. Or he's an SHV. Tika, SHV. And we're just getting ready to break that shot at 1,000 yards. And in my glass, it was the biggest moose I've ever seen. It was a, it was a giant. It was a big-bodied moose. Yeah, yeah, man. He was huge. And I'm like, ceasefire. It, if he probably would have cleared its back if he broke the shot when yeah, he wanted. Yeah, just because of but, just because of, uh, of the trajectory, Max right, Orton, right. Because yeah. the moose was like right around 975. But it would have been scary. It would have been close. Yeah. And the thing was gigantic. And that's part of the fun up here, man. The weather's been cool. We dodged the rain, uh, you know, uh, uh, and all that. And like I said, 70 degrees. And it's just becoming this great bucket list. You know, Sean was one of the first guys from the lower 48, came up. He's he's on Sniper's Hide. He's posting pictures. 
Uh, he, you know, he had a great time. It was really great to finally meet him because I've seen his name on the hide. I never met him before. Seen his name on the hide quite a bit. And, you know, he spent a couple days up here with us, took that class, and has been posting videos. He posted a video uh, on, on the hide. He had his iPhone right there. And I'm spotting, and you can hear my voice, and he's getting ready to shoot. And all you see is his RPR. You see his trigger control. You see, you know, his nose and the whole thing. But then he does one thing, and then you hear Mark, who's right over his shoulder. Hey, man, keep your cheek on the gun. Hey, man, don't to come off that trigger. You know, so you can you can see that it's a double team. Effort. I had no I had no idea. He no, was he didn't. He Mark didn't know he was filming. Yeah. Uh, no, and and Chet says in the video you can actually hear Chet go, "Hey, were you filming with your camera?" Because yeah. Chet's the third uh, instructor that's here that helps us. Uh, Chet was a West Coast uh, Marine sniper instructor, and so he kind of gives us a little backup uh, when he can in between his regular work schedule. So, you know, much appreciated. We got a great crew up here. How many of you repeat guys? I mean, how many past students are here assisting us during these classes? Not only that, but they're coming back. They're coming back. Coming back, back bringing the same equipment, different equipment. After a couple of years of, of being away, they come back and get rehammered with it. And, and, and they're going to go out and spend money, man. It's good, for, it's good for business. It's good for everybody. You know, it, it, creates, it creates purchasing customers in our world you know well this is a perishable skill set yeah and they recognize that they may have came here two three years ago and they haven't really kept up on it and then they'll go out and they'll realize some of their 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 skill level that they left with had been you know taken away a bit and they come for refreshers and i think that's really really important that people recognize that this is an ongoing thing we're always learning something new it's a journey. We say in, in, in our presentation to guide the student on their journey with a precision rifle because it never ends. I learn something every day. Mark's learning this, that. We're always doing this. And stuff. you dictate to the duration of the journey. You know, I mean, how long are you going to be in this game? How far are you going to take it? How serious are you going to take it? How much money are you going to spend in it? We don't dictate the journey. Or the, or the duration of the journey. Right. They tell us what they want. Yeah. And now we've got students coming back, so they're still in the journey. Yep. Evidently. Totally, totally. Now, I think it's been some really great stuff. Um, amazing. Just teaching people in general is just fun. Just to see them progress. To see them, oh, I never shot that far. You know, you get the guy, the farthest I ever shot was 300 yards. Now I'm making hits at five, six, a 1,000. You know what I mean? Our target's at 1,000. Yeah, we got some pretty big ones out there that the range owns. But our targets at a thousand average about twelve inches. Yeah, or legit. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, we we got we got a, a a twelve inch round plate. We got a twelve inch half silhouette. We got those wing targets we use, which you know the wings help us for those windage misses when we get that little bit of squirrely wind that we see, and it's just enough to be squirrely. But the body of the target has a six inch center, and we put everybody in these six inch centers, and. They're 700 yards, 950 yards for these two particular targets, and we're we're dialing them in and getting them at a minimum of three hits on a six-inch center at seven and 950. Yeah, and I I don't know, man. To me, that that's kind of a big deal for guys, especially when you look at the fact that they're not shooting Gucci calibers, they're not shooting freaking 26-pound guns with straight taper rifles and four-ounce triggers, you know. They're shooting off-the-shelf practical stuff 
that they find in Cabela's or they find in Three Bear or they find in one of the local shops that are up here. This isn't this isn't custom stick heaven, you know, where where guys are spending four or five thousand dollars for for you know th these things to be spun up, and and that's a big deal, man, because it it does. Yeah, well they. If they went down to a PRS match, would they get their ass handed to them? Well, sure, because their equipment is subpar. Hey, the life life ain't about PRS. Yeah, man. I'm sorry, it's not a part of my life. No, I mean, man, I do just fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> not knocking PRS. Hey, man, if you're enjoying it, enjoy it. But I'm 55 years old. I'm not going to be getting into into or out of position as quick as I did when I was a 20. Dude, 20, you just got pneumonia. Year old you're all coughing here. You... I had I had pneumonia for two months, and it was actually as sick as I've ever been in my life. It was horrible. Don't ever underestimate pneumonia guys and gals don't do it if you're coughing for three days and you develop a fever get your ass to the hospital man because they told me if, it, if i'd have kept it i wrote it out for like five days and if they said if you would rode this for two more days you'd have been gone period yep. yeah man yeah. crazy shit so no nah, man I, we're looking forward to it uh we got this next class starting i got a big gap on friday uh for when we leave the lodge here and then i have to fly home i gotta do a red eye which sucks um, just the way the, the, the chips fell because flights are a little weird up here. But um, I'll have another roundup with you guys. We'll have another roundup with Mark. We just wanted to knock this out and let you know we didn't forget about you. And, you know, keep commenting on the Podbean app. Uh, keep going over to the hide and looking at that stuff. I really, really think you guys should go look at those pictures. In the training section... <coughs> Alaska Precision Rifle. I think it has the train, of course. Because you talk about your train ups, man. I usually run a train up for at least one, uh, at least two, throughout the summer to allow guys to come and let's let's talk about fundamentals. Let's get you into a, into a position and get you into a zero, so that when they show up on day one, they're not just slapped in the face with with, right, with what right. we're giving them, you know. So, so well, train it's an ups. opportunity to meet the student. You don't well, charge them for the train up, do you? I charge twenty bucks. Do you? Okay. Twenty bucks for well, that's a range basically. Fee. I, I've got it, it's a range fee. I've got to stay here at the lodge. I've got to eat at the lodge. I mean, I'm gonna have expenses, and and they're gonna get more than twenty dollars worth of instruction. And it ain't about the twenty bucks. It really isn't. I just it's just a nominal fee so that they can say they participated basically. But you're gonna get more than twenty bucks out of me and my shooters who come to train ups do well. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. call them Taylor clones. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, you're a Taylor clone. Were you at the train up? Yep. Yep, so when we're doing the in-eval, in you can see the difference in just that short amount of time spending one day with the guys and making sure it's about getting everybody on the same page. I mean, that's the PowerPoint part of it. The PowerPoint is to not only explain the why, but to get all of them to understand our language and to be on the same page so then when we, we do show them what our demos are, they understand, like Mark says, they totally click. And... If something doesn't act right, we shoot their rifles. We shoot our rifles alongside them. We do our demos that are all live fire on targets. And, it, you know, I think that's an important part of this aspect that, you know, we're not afraid. They trust to. us. They trust us. Right. Because right. we're not just showboating um, with PowerPoints and with do as I say. We're, show, we're saying do as I say and now do as I'm about to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a big it's a big thing. No, it's been good. What else you got, man? Go. You got any other thing you want to kind of get off your uh, chest? Man, I've been sleeping on my back because Norbert's walking all over this place. I don't know really know Norbert what he wants or, or his needs, and so I'm I, I I'm tying my I'm tying my right arm to the right bedpost so I can't roll over onto my back. <laughs> so it's it's just getting you know it's getting mm. bizarre. Frank had his lights flickering on and off the other night. I haven't had any run-ins with the cat, 
in quite a while since he dumped my bag into my chair uh, last year. I think it was, but but he, he's coming around. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's funny, too, because students will be talking. We were just talking with Glenn. He stayed here. Uh, he's up there with some of the new students coming in. And so him and I were talking ghost stuff and talking about what was going on. And the dudes are like, what are you guys talking about? And we're like, oh, man, the place is haunted. And, and, and they start giggling. immediately get this blank face and with a droopy jaw. Like, what? What? <laughs> or, or, like, they don't believe you and they think we're pulling their leg. And and they're and they're like you, first some of them would be like well what about the cabins because they're staying in the cabins it's yeah. like no no it's not in the cabins it's in Mark and mine room and then on the back side in the other rooms where the bathrooms and everything are then upstairs where the kitchen staff uh, Jesse told me when they were watching Game of Thrones they had somebody and Jesse uh, stays down here in this area where we are so she understands that there's people walking above us because they are the the um, the dining area. It's it's off to our side, but it's above us. So when people are walking around, and if somebody walks over to the, this side of the building to the window, we can hear it. And Jesse was like, "Oh yeah, we were watching Game of Thrones, and um, the you know we heard somebody walking on the roof." And she goes, "I know what it sounds like when somebody's walking on the roof." And I think Robbie or somebody might have went out and looked up, thinking like an animal or something was up there. Nothing, man. It was Norbert just tapping on and doing some stuff. So they're all they're fully invested in it with the place. So you get that haunted Alaska and everything, you know. All righty. All fun stuff. We're going to jump off. We're going to go back up and see the, the, the students coming in. Uh, I got to figure out what I have to eat, man. I don't know. I had some pot stickers, but I need something else. Stick with the Asian theme. Go with the uh, steak stir fry. Man. My favorite here is the steak sandwich, but I had it the other night, and it's just too much to have too many. It's a, it's a steak on a roll. I think I might have that French dip because uh, that looked pretty good. Yeah. You know, and, and get shaved, a, right? Yeah, yeah, shaved, shaved, shaved uh, beef there, French dip. But the food's good, time's good. If you're in Alaska, if you're going up to the Talkeetna area, you're going to go right, what is it, mile marker 88? 88 here. Um, And come into Sheep Creek Lodge. If you tell any of them you heard about it on the podcast, you know, the shooters, they listen to the podcast. All the girls here will treat you right. Tell them you're all part of the shooting community. And, and you know, Things will change. The opportunities will open. In July, I'm going to start booking for next year. So we're going to get the dates together. In July, I'm going to start booking for next year. Now we had a cat uh, who's one of your one of your members on on Sniper Side, who last year contacted me too early. Then he didn't contact me again until December. He wanted to do the PR one and two back to back, and it was sold out. He wanted to bring him and five friends up here, and it was sold out. So I'm telling you, in July, I'm going to release dates. If you're from lower 48, you want to get these seats because the locals grab them up real quick. You want to get these seats because you guys have to book flights and arrange for other uh, transportation and whatnot. Good logic. But it, you will make it worth your trip. Sean Doherty just had a two-day, uh, three-day stay in Alaska. He got to see the mountain. Mm-hmm. And basically... Mountain's um, been gorgeous. Yeah, We've had gorgeous. great views. Yeah. But, but he will attest... Uh, I'm not saying hit the guy up, but he, he's, he's already on there uh, throwing testament at, at the course. Come up. We won't disappoint you. That's all I got to say. All right, guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for commenting on the Everyday Sniper. Hammer Forge Fundamentals. Get that good foundation. Spend the money with the equipment. And, and I'm telling you, we'll make you a better shooter. Thanks, guys. Have a great one.